So at this time each day, give some attention to meditation instruction. And that'll have a certain kind of uh, progression to it through the week. And I'll say a little bit now about the way that progression will work. There's kind of three particular facets to the way that we're practicing meditation. And as we were exploring a little bit last week, those of you who are here, I think it's important to consider meditation as a process rather than as merely a technique. And various techniques are very helpful. But if we focus on the sense of technique, we easily get into a, an idea of succeeding or failing, of somehow mastering a technique or not. And that's one, that's not so important. Two, it's not so possible. And three, it's just not so helpful. Right. to have some idea of mastering a technique. Those of you with you know, quite some meditation experience, you might just think, how well have you done in mastering <laughs> meditation? Right. I can put my hand up and say I've failed spectacularly to master meditation. Somebody asked me recently, will you be my master? They were, they were speaking in French, so it's not so heavy in French as the word English, the master sounds a little intense, but mon maître, and they said, I said, definitely not, because I don't master anything. I'm not even trying to master anything. Life is way too free, way too expansive, way too infinite to attempt the bizarre idea of mastering life. What a strange human arrogance that I could master life. I'd much rather let my life master me. So, meditation is a process right, where we engage with some helpful techniques, means some helpful ways of orientating attention, some helpful ways of training the mind, but it's a process where when we have the impression of failing at a technique or not managing to direct our attention well or noticing that our attention has gone here or there to this or that, that's just as much an important part of the process. We learn a lot about ourselves. We learn a lot about our habits of mind by seeing where the mind's gone? By seeing how our attention gets fixated and fascinated, caught up in our stories and interpretations, our projections and fears, etc., etc. If we fixate on technique, then when are we find that our attention's gone off somewhere, that seems to be the wrong thing, right? the opposite to the technique of um, being with our breath, for example. So on the one hand, we want to engage as sincerely as we can with these helpful techniques. 
But most primary, we're holding it all as a process. And in that sense, we're kind of letting these practices work on us. Right? Which is different than us working on our practice. In terms of the progressive instructions, there'll be one of the reference points for these is what in Pali is called the Chattara Satipatthana. You don't need to remember that. Right? But what it means is the four areas of experience in which to establish presence and inquiry. Chattara, four. Sati, usually translated as mindfulness, but I'll use the word presence more, which I think is a, just a better translation. Right? Mindfulness is a very strange kind of word. It's probably too late to try to change that in the wider culture. But actually sati, the Pali word which we get translated as mindfulness, really means to recall the attention, to bring attention to what's right here. And it has connotations of intimacy with, of being inside, the language Buddha uses in speaking about sati is to enter into sati, present moment awareness. To establish oneself inside present moment awareness. So these, these different areas of experience that we bring presence, present moment awareness to in order to open up our experience. The second uh, reference point is the um, Anapanasati Sutta. Uh, anapana means in-breath and out-breath. Sati, again, presence. Right. Anapanasati. Um, using just this very natural, actually very free process of breath as a way in to all of experience. And what's important there is that we're working with the experience of the breath. Right? Not the idea, not the image, and not actually the biological breath. We're not working with our lungs Right? We're not attending to our lungs. We're attending to the ana, right? the natural expansion that the kind of oxygenating and enlivening and expanding of the cells that happens with each in-breath that can be felt actually in the expansion of the chest and then the expansion of the belly. But also as we go on, you may find, can be felt throughout the whole sensory field of our experience. Sometimes it may feel like every cell is breathing. We can feel a subtle expansion with every in-breath. And then the pana, the out-breath. The natural, 
the natural relaxation that goes with the out-breath, the natural softening, the natural kind of invitation to drop whatever one's picked up, to drop, to let go of, to leave alone the stories you may have started telling yourself, the tension patterns you may have started to hold on to. And as we attune to experience, rather than just the biological, I am breathing out, we may find within that out-breath, that invitation to relax, that invitation to settle into being here. And then also, that momentary still point that's there at the end of the out-breath may be very, very brief, or it may sometimes last for some or many seconds. That moment before the next breath, a moment of a certain stillness and stopping that most of us really aren't used to. We're not used to stillness or stopping. We think we like the sound of it, Say, oh, I'm really looking forward to going on retreat. I need some space. I need to be still. I want to be with myself. I just want to stop. Okay, good. So just stop. Okay, yes, but... And then off we go again. Sometimes we're so fixated on going that we want to go from the out-breath to the in-breath. So fixed, we're so used to going, but having gotten to the meditation hall, I mean, what a better place to stop than a meditation hall. But it may be that about half an hour from now, the habit of going, the habit of doing, the habit of pushing. So we get to see that in the invitation that's there at the end of each out-breath, just to stop for however long that, uh, that brief pause, that brief moment of stillness lasts. And then the third reference point, maybe the most essential one, for our practice all through these days is that awareness itself is more primary than what we're being aware of. I'll explain what I mean. And we hear about these various um, ways of practicing Awareness of breath, awareness of body. And because our tendency anyway is to fixate on objects, fixate on the thing that's happening, rather than 
the kind of miracle, the mystery of the fact that we're able to be aware of what's happening. So when we hear oh, awareness of breath, awareness of body, we tend to make the breath or the body the most important thing in that process. As if I should just be aware of my breath all the time. And then I get disappointed or discouraged when I notice that my attention's gone off somewhere else. But, as I think we said last week, the point of this practice isn't to become um, good breathers. So, when we speak about awareness of breath, rather than emphasizing the object, breathing as the most important thing, actually we're emphasizing awareness of as the most important thing. A certain way of training the attention, bringing attention back to breath, bringing attention back to breath, bringing attention back to breath. But most primary, awareness of attention. Awareness of breath when that's here, or awareness of wherever attention goes. So awareness that I've gotten caught up in planning mind or doubting mind, or storytelling mind, or um, um, or negative kind of mind, or fantasy mind. It's so important that we don't uh, see those things as wrong or bad or in somehow opposite our practice. There is no wrong experience. There is no place your mind shouldn't go. And the more we can understand that, the more we can actually learn from whatever happens. The more we can generate a kind of skillfulness in how we respond to wherever mind goes. The more we can see What's actually worth supporting, nourishing, cultivating? And what's worth leaving alone, dropping? So that's a little bit the, the, the background to how we'll be practicing. And even in describing then, during these last minutes, I've used these different terms. And so I'll try, before we, we sit together, just to uh, delineate a little bit some of the difference between some, of some words that get used interchangeably, particularly consciousness, awareness, Attention, and then it's usually called mindfulness, but I'll speak as presence. So generally, it may sometimes be less than 100% clear, but generally I, I don't use consciousness, awareness, attention, and presence interchangeably. Right? When, I, when I say consciousness, 
I'm basically referring to the completely innate uh, human capacity to register experience. Right? You're conscious all the time. Right? You're registering some experience. Right? At least as long as you're awake. Right? Without speculating for now on what happens with consciousness in sleep. If you're awake, you're conscious. That's a consciousness that may be very cluttered. It's a consciousness that may be very spaced out. It may be uh, diffuse in various ways. It may be a consciousness that's absorbed into some kind of um, object. So absorbed that sometimes we talk about being unconscious. But where we're still conscious. If somebody calls our name, we're able to recognize an answer. It might take three or four goes. Right? My daughter definitely noticed that sometimes when I was reading or on the computer. Hey, Papa, Papa, Papa. Hmm? Right? So sometimes consciousness just gets absorbed in some activity that the other things happening around kind of recede a little bit. One might be just kind of lost in some object, right? just kind of completely, uh, or maybe lost in some daydream. But consciousness is there in some way, right? knowing the, an experience, but not knowing it with any kind of, uh, not conscious of the fact that we're conscious, which I really is a little of a clumsy way of describing, hence the word awareness. Difficult to translate into French. We were talking about it this morning. So Fabrice's suggestion is, don't bother translating it. We'll just use awareness. (laughs) And uh, then this uh, much needed term will slowly find its way into French language. So maybe that would be a good idea. Otherwise, we can think of kind of uh, a conscience claire or conscience éveillée. But so awareness, when I use the word awareness, I mean that condition wherein we know that we're knowing. Right? We're conscious of the fact that consciousness is registering experience. So... Um, the sense of actually waking up to our experience. If I ask you, just really notice that you're sitting here. When we start to realize that we're able to, to um, intentionally feel what's happening, receive what's happening, explore what's happening. And that that exploration can be directed in various ways, right? And that's when we're talking about that directing of awareness, that's when I would use the word attention. Right? We, can actu- we can choose where to put our attention. In some ways, our attention just gets called automatically right, to different places. Like that example of clapping my hands yesterday. If I clap my hands, your attention just naturally gets called there. And 
we find, particularly as we get a little more skilled, as we start to uh, understand consciousness more, as we start to kind of commit to awareness more, we become more skilled at directing our attention, focusing our attention. So if I ask you specifically, feel the sensations in your buttocks right now, just the the density of the sensation of sitting. You can direct your attention there, whereas it may not have been there before. If I ask you, oh, let yourself just feel the sensations of breath in your chest and belly. You can direct your attention there. And when we speak about attention, we're specifically speaking about embodied attention. What that means is, Buddha makes this very beautiful distinction between what's again in the tradition, called yoniso manisikara and ayoniso manisikara. Embodied attention or disembodied attention. Most of our attention is kind of disembodied. So even if we're thinking about the breath, which is happening in body, there's the tendency to kind of, oh yes, now the breath is coming in, now the breath is going out. It's a sort of, we're kind of, outside sort of trying to find, pointing our attention from this kind of overly um, cognitive place, sort of looking down on breath, looking down on body, looking down on, oh yes, uh, there's some dense sensations in my buttocks, etc. So yoni so manisikara, yoni means womb in uh, Pali. It's also used for vagina, which you might be familiar with more from the yogic tradition, yoni. But it also means womb. So yoni so manisikara means, beautiful term, womb-born attention. De l'uterus. Womb-born attention. What's the womb? If you're feeling left out, guys, men, don't worry, you have one too. We'll get there in a minute. Womb is the cradle of life. The kind of deepest place down in the kind of the the sort of center of our physical being. I I find it quite beautiful that that's the term the Buddha uses for this kind of attention. A womb-born attention. An attention that's has its ground, has its origin, has its source, kind of deeply within us. So, of course, we're not talking about just a physical womb. I don't know if you could feel the sensations in one's physical womb, and of course I actually don't have one of those, so I wouldn't know anyway. But the invitation of that term is to give attention from the inside. And I know even in the short time we've been here together, I've said that so many times already last night and this morning, to feel from the inside, to be inside the experience. And maybe you know from your own practice exactly what I mean by that. Or maybe you don't. And if you don't, you just, we just have to keep on finding our way in. 
finding our way in. Giving attention in such a way that we're not looking down at breath or body, but that we're actually inhabiting the experience. Embodying the experience. So, consciousness, just the fact of being conscious. Right? Awareness and kind of the coming alive of our capacity to know. Attention and directing that knowing in specific ways, skillful ways, helpful ways. And then sati, presence. Right? The capacity, the willingness to stay, to feel into, to explore. And these are what creates the conditions for us to really become intimately familiar with what's happening. To be able to actually explore what's happening. To be able to see into the nature of what's happening. To be able to free up, to liberate what's happening. So, in this spirit then, we sit here together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.